T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. From KMOX Sports. The bases are loaded. This is the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing and a long one to left. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm. Because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. He hits one deep to left field. You bet. That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. It's a slammer. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Oh, we got a lot to talk about in this hour. Obviously, we're doing the strike zone. All baseball between now and the end of the show at 8 o'clock and a lot to cover. Uh, certainly, we want to talk about the the series loss in New York. I mean, you know, calling up two highly anticipated prospects to the big leagues is a great thing, and we're going to spend a lot of time on it, but it's not the only thing, and it doesn't change that the Cardinals are struggling. Um, it, it's not all struggle, but, I mean, you lost 8 of the last 12. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to say that that's, that's an ideal outcome, right? I mean... You can be doing some things well. And what's really interesting about this team is the fact that if you look at the stats, just if you just looked up numbers, you'd be like, there's nothing wrong with this team. Not on offense. You'd be like, there's nothing wrong with this team offensively. I mean, it's 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 a weird thing to 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 talk about. It's a weird way of of setting up this topic, but it's just about explosion, and then regression. They blow up. They have a few games. Sometimes it's two. Sometimes it's three. Heck, sometimes it's one. But you have a couple games where you really swing it well, and then you go two or three more where you don't swing it well. So while the average is good, it's not getting you the result that you want. You know, I, I think it's it's a... It's a fascinating thing to me uh, because, again, so just like looking at where the Cardinals sit in all of Major League Baseball, okay, not not just in the National League, but in all of Major League Baseball, they are the number six offense in wins above replacement. That's good. Six out of 30. That's really That really looks good, right? Runs scored. Cardinals are number 10 in Major League Baseball. So you're a top 10 run-scoring team. Yet, when we watch this offense day in and day out, there are a lot of days that that is not at all what we're seeing. And essentially, what it comes down to is what happens in between the explosions. So, so far this season, the Cardinals have had... Five double-digit 
offensive days. They've scored exactly 10 runs four different times. They did that on April 15th against Milwaukee. They scored 10 runs there. They scored 10 against New York back on the 27th of April. They scored 10 against Kansas City on May 4th. They scored 10 against the Orioles uh, a week ago. And then they scored 15 on Sunday against the Giants. So you've had five games where you've scored 55 runs. Well, on the season, you've scored 166. So one-third of your runs have come in five games. That's the problem. Because you've now played 38 games. So a full third of your offense, of the runs that you've scored, have been generated in just five out of 38 games. Now, I'm not very good at math. That's why I have a a calculator app on my phone. But I would say that that tells us that Thirty, uh, roughly a third of your runs have happened in 13% of your games. Which means 87% of the time, you're really not scoring much. So, you know, when we, when again, when you look at the big picture, like from a, if you were to look at it from 10,000 feet, you would look at it and say, oh, wow, look, top 10 offense in runs scored. Number six in wins above replacement. Number seven in batting average, which, I mean, most people would be like, what? Yeah, seventh best team batting average in Major League Baseball belongs to the Cardinals. Slugging percentage. They are number 12 in all of Major League Baseball. On base percentage, number eight. So in every one of those categories, you're essentially in the top third, in some cases, the top quarter of... We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Major League Baseball. You want to go a little bit more advanced? You want to look at something like Weighted Runs Created Plus, which is an overall offensive rating that accounts for the ballparks you play in, for the league averages and all of that? Yeah, Cardinals are uh, 
ten, uh, they're 11th in that. So again, you're in that you're basically in the top third in Major League Baseball. So in by most accounts, you're a top 10 offense, but your record doesn't show that. Now some of that has to do with some pitching issues, although the pitching overall has been pretty good too. I mean, you know, it's it's not like when you look at the that the pitching side of things, you're like it's not like they're terrible. You know, it's not like well, they're you know they're in the bottom half of the league or anything like that. I mean, if you look at, um, like for example, wins above replacement for pitching, uh, you're middle of the pack in Major League Baseball. Um, when you look at like team ERA, you're perfectly fine. Again, nothing, nothing really exciting, but you're okay. But on the offensive side, what you are is erratic. It, you know, five, basically five big games and then everything else. So, you know, when you, you know, again, I'm, I'm not, I'm not really good at the whole math thing. But you've scored 166 runs, as I mentioned, 55 of those in five games. So, you know, when you when you look at just kind of the 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 way that that spreads out, right? And you start to say, all right, 111 runs. You played 38 games. You take out five, it's 33. So. In those games where you're not scoring double digits, you're averaging 3.4 runs per game. Well, Major League average is four runs per game. So you're way below the league average. In fact, if you wanted to look at the lowest scoring teams in baseball and say, how does that rank against the lowest scoring teams? Like, what, what, what is the lowest scoring team in baseball on average? How many runs per game are they scoring? It's about that. It's about 3.4 runs per game. Like, that's the low end. So, for five games, you've been elite. You've been amazing. You've been unbelievable. And in the other 33 games, it's been way below bat, way below average, like down at the bottom of the league. So, how do you correct that? I don't know. Maybe it's something that will correct itself over time. We're only talking about six weeks in a six-month season. And you you do have Yepes swinging the bat well, and Brendan Donovan's been good since coming up. Goldschmidt has been unbelievable since the middle of April. You know, Arenado's got good numbers. Molina's coming around. Kisner's actually been pretty solid offensively. You know, nothing great, but nothing terrible either. So maybe they just need time to get consistent. Well, what they've done now, though, is taken some action. And this is what I want to get into next, the moves today. Clearly, it's it sucked to lose three games to the Mets. They were mostly competitive games. Uh, you had some key blowups, and I later on in the hour, I want to talk about some a bit about the bullpen, and you know what's up with Gallegos here lately. Is there anything to worry about? Um, T.J. McFarland. I'm I'm not sure T.J. McFarland's a major league pitcher right now. I'll tell you what I mean about that a little bit later on. But up next, I want to talk about the rookies making their debuts. We've already seen you know Juan Yepes. Uh, make a big impact coming up right away. We've already seen um, you know, Brendan Donovan come up and make an impact right away. What should we expect from Nolan Gorman when he when he enters the lineup? How are they going to structure the lineup with Gorman taking over at second base? And, of course, we'll look at Matthew Libertor coming up to start on Saturday as well. All that next on KMOX. 
Well, I don't know why we have sad music in this for the Cardinals kids making their major league debut, but hey, sometimes the computer deals you what the computer deals you. Computer has no sense of timing. <laughs> Could be with the on the strike zone uh, here on KMOX, obviously a part of sports open line. This is our segment called Building the Future. It's sponsored by Graybar Electric, headquartered in St. Louis. That's a great place to work. So Building the Future is all about what we're going to see this weekend. And what we're going to see this weekend are the Major League debuts for Nolan Gorman and Matthew Liberatore. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's been these are both players that everybody's been waiting for for a couple of years now. Uh, you know, the anticipation on Gorman started pretty much right away when he was drafted because he was a power bat. You know, the Cardinals didn't always have the history of drafting the big high school power bats in the first round. But, you know, with Gorman, they made an exception. And, you know, he was a player that a lot of people didn't think would be there when the Cardinals were picking 19th overall back in 2018. For whatever reason, he slid down a little bit, and he was right there for the Cardinals to take. And he has done everything you could ask a young player to do uh, on this path to getting to the big leagues, and he'll make his major league debut tomorrow night. According to uh, what Derek Gould tweeted, Gorman will play second base and be in the lineup tomorrow night. Uh, and we'll talk about what that means for the lineup and for Tommy Edmond and Brandon Donovan and all that in, in a little bit. But speaking of Gorman first, and we'll get to Libertor in a second, uh, Gorman has done everything you would ask a young power hitter to do. You know, as he's moved up the ranks, he's done a better job of hitting for batting average. He's done a better job of, I don't want to say cutting back entirely on strikeouts, but lowering his strikeout total. So you look at his first full season in the minors. That was 2019. He hit 248, and he did hit 30 doubles and hit 15 home runs and had six triples, so the power was clearly there. But in that year, he also struck out 152 times in 456 at-bats. So it was but just about 500 plate appearances. He struck out 152 times. In case you're not really sure about the math on that, that's a lot. Well, last year, he cut that to 115 strikeouts, in more games, well, in, in more at-bats, in 480 at-bats and just over 500 plate appearances. So he reduced the strikeout rate last year and at the same time started hitting the ball over the fence more. Went from 15 home runs in 2019 to 25 home runs last year. So I know he had the, you know, the year in 2020 where you had no minor league season. He was one of the guys at the alternate camp and obviously learned some things and, and got some you know, taught was taught some things that he's able to carry over into 2021. So making the jump though, from the, from 2019 where he played at low a and high a to last year where he played at double a and triple a, he increased his home run total, increased his runs batted in. He, he held about the same walk rate, but he cut his strikeouts by almost 40 strikeouts, even though he had more plate appearances in the year that he had fewer strikeouts. So he did all the things that you would want. And by the way, he did all of that as a 21-year-old playing in double and triple A and learning a new position, learning to play second base. So the point this year for him when it was time to go back to the minor leagues was a pretty simple one. Just build off of last year. Take what you did last year and build off it. Get more experience defensively at second base. Keep putting those lessons to use. Now, strikeouts are always going to be a concern for, for Gorman. And the strikeouts were not um, 
They were not horrific. Like the strikeout rate was not horrific for him at AAA this year, but it, it wasn't exactly it wasn't exactly non-existent either. He was striking out thirty two percent of the time at the time that we got the news that he was going to get the call to, to come to the big leagues tomorrow. 32% is not ridiculous, but it is on the high side. You know, major league average for strikeout rates about 22%. And keep in mind, that's in, a, in an era where strikeouts are at an all-time high in Major League Baseball. So, you know, you're striking out more against AAA pitching than the average major leaguer strikes out in the big leagues during a period of time where major leaguers are striking out more than they ever have before. So, yeah, that's the concern. The concern about Nolan Gorman coming up is will strikeouts become too big of a problem? That's the concern. Yeah, I'm sure there's some worry about the defense. I I, I don't think there's too much there. Uh, the team has said in the past that they're pretty happy with his progress. He's not going to be a gold glover at second base and certainly not right away. Uh, even last year, John Mozeliak had passed along the reviews from Jose Okendo, who told Mo that he thinks Gorman will be an above-average defensive second baseman. I don't think he meant that right away, but eventually. And then the bigger question on top of the strikeouts is, do, does the power does the power make some of those strikeouts worth it? So if he's up here striking out 34 35% of the time, is he producing enough with the contact that he makes to justify those strikeouts? Well, when you look at his production at AAA, I mean, he had the highest batting average of his career at 308. He had a 367 on base percentage. He was slugging almost 700. He had 15 home runs in 34 games. You know, you want to do the math. He was, I mean, like, think about this. Like, Babe Ruth hit a home run like once every 10 at bats. You know, uh, and and Gorman was hitting a hitting a home run every was hitting a home run eleven percent of the time. So again, almost one in every ten at bats, a little bit better than that. But you know, when you, when you're when you're looking at the power, it was clearly there. I mean, he had the second most home runs in all of professional baseball. The only guy who has more, by the way, is another Cardinals prospect, Moises Gomez, who's down at Double A Springfield, who might be might be kind of like a a diamond in the rough, if you will. He was a minor league free agent signing in the offseason. Now all of a sudden, he leads all of professional baseball in home runs with 17. But Gorman had 15 home runs at AAA. So the power plays, the defense should be okay. The big question is, will he strike out too much to be a consistent offensive performer at this time? That's the question. But the power plays. And, as I've pointed out a number of times, the Cardinals need some left-handed presence. They don't hit very well against right-handed pitching. So if Gorman is able to offer up some of that power against right-handed pitching, that could be a major asset for the team. Because you look at some of that streakiness that we're talking about that I talked about in the last segment, some of it is they, they've had explosions when left-handed pitchers are on the mound. And they have, they have hammered lefties all year. And having a little bit more left-handed power to counteract the right-handed pitching might end up being something that helps. So how do they make this work? Because Gorman's coming up to play second base. Well, Tommy Edmond's going to move over and play some shortstop. We know that Edmond can also play the outfield, but the you know when when we when Mo spoke on the last homestand, so he spoke on the first day of the last homestand, and it was the day that that Paul DeYoung was sent down to Memphis. 
the question was asked, okay, will Tommy slide over and play shortstop either with Brendan Donovan playing second base or if if Gorman comes up and Mo said, look, we're going to do some pregame work. We're going to let him get acclimated there. And if he's comfortable with it and we're comfortable with it, you'll see it. Well, I guess they're comfortable with it and he'll be okay. Look, Tommy Edmond was a shortstop in the minor leagues. You know, he was a shortstop at Stanford. He played shortstop in the minor leagues. Uh, In the upper levels, he switched over to start playing some more at second and third and some in the outfield. Uh, But he can play shortstop. He does not have great arm strength. Tommy is going to have a hard time with some of the longer throws, some of the more difficult throws. But he's got the range. He's got the quickness. He's got a quick release, so he'll be able to make those plays charging the baseball. He'll turn double plays. All of that's going to be fine. But the question is going to be the arm on plays where you have to make a longer throw. So we'll see how it plays. But, I, I mean, he's going to get that opportunity here. And it sounds like that means Donovan will get a shot to play some outfield with Tyler O'Neill going on the injured list. And, again, gives you another lefty bat. You know, so if you can have Donovan and Gorman in there somewhat regularly, especially with Donovan doing what he's been doing, you know, Donovan can play everywhere. He can play the corner outfields. He plays all of the infield spots. Uh, obviously, he could DH. Juan Yepes is going well, too. So, I would imagine all three of those guys are going to keep playing regularly, and the only people that will really get displaced by that would be Corey Dickerson and Albert Pujols, and Albert's still going to play against lefties. They'll figure that out because he's crushing lefties, so they're going to keep finding a way to put him in there in that regard. So Dickerson's probably the guy that loses out the most in this scenario. But I don't think any Cardinals fans are really worried about that. I think they're all okay with that. And honestly, I am too. So Donovan can move around between DH, corner outfield, giving guys days off in other places, things like that. But it sounds like he's, looks like anyway, that he's put himself in a spot where he's hit his way into the lineup and he's going to have to hit his way out of the lineup before they take him out. And certainly that looks like the case for Juan Yepes too. So you kind of have a little bit of a mini youth movement going on here in the month of May, which is great. So that's the deal on Nolan Gorman. Um, I'm excited about him. I mean, he's a he's a legitimate power hitter. Most people that evaluate him see him as a 30-35 homer guy. The only question is going to be, is he is he more of a 250, 260, 270 hitter, or is he more of a 220, 230 hitter? That's the part we don't know yet. That's what's going to be discovered. Is he Joey Gallo? Or is he something better than that? And I mean in terms of like the, the frequency with which he's going to get on base. Because, you know, on base pro- is certainly what matters more than batting average. But he's going to hit home runs. I mean, he's done that at every level he's ever played at, amateur and pro. He's going to hit home runs. He's on pace at the AAA to hit 40, 45 home runs this season. He may not be that guy in the big leagues, but he's a 30 or 35 homer guy at some point once he's established, assuming he makes enough contact. And that's going to be the big question. So what about Matthew Libertor? We'll talk a bit about what to expect from him, the stuff that he brings to the table, what it means for other guys in the rotation. If he does well, does it change anything for Jordan Hicks? Does it change anything for Dakota Hudson? Do they go with six guys? What does it mean if he comes up and he throws well? And of course, what are we expecting from him? We'll get to that next on KMOX. Oh, before I get into Matthew Libertor, I got to make fun of the quote-unquote cool kids on Twitter. (laughs) You guys know how this works. I mean, like, and and these are people I like, too, and I'm about to tease them on Twitter here in just a second. But, you know, the the people that are really, like, hardcore baseball fans on social media, 
sometimes like to act like the cool kids did in school, right? They're going to sit in the back of the class, and they're going to make smart-ass remarks about the smart kids up front. Oh, sure, teacher pet. Uh, because they're, they're, everybody's joking about how, you know, so many of people like me are pointing out that, you know, Matthew Libertor and Nolan Gorman grew up together. They were friends as kids. Um, you know, first, both became first round draft picks, both became Cardinals players. Both of them are going to make their debut. And they're like, basically just mocking the fact that so many of us are, are pointing that out. And I would like to point out that a huge percentage of people that follow sports are not sports nerds like us because I'm in the sports nerd group like these other folks, like my buddies on Twitter. So not everybody knows that stuff. You know, when you're on 50,000 watts, this is reaching a lot of people that don't necessarily follow the minor leagues as closely as the rest of us do. So when we point those things out, it's not for you. We know you know. It's not for you. It's for all of the casual fans that maybe heard the names, that maybe that that listen to Cardinals games on the radio or watch at home or they come to a few games and we're letting them know, hey, this is kind of cool. You might yeah, you might want to keep an eye on this. It's kind of a cool story. But you know how the cool kids are. They gotta show everybody how cool they are. Get a laugh in class, sit in the back. Maybe make a fart joke or something. You know, the cool kids are going to be the cool kids. And I get it. You're cool. But all of us on TV and radio are talking to people that are not part of the cool kids table at lunch. They're people that are out there doing things, working, living, playing, you know, taking their kids to ball games and all that stuff. And they're not paying attention to these things like us dorky people do that have more time to do it. Anyway. I'm going to pick on those guys on Twitter a little bit here in a minute. Uh, But I want to talk about Matthew Libertor, who's going to make his major league debut on Saturday. And I want to get into what what this is. I mean, is this a a game? Is this a case where they're going to give him a look at the major league level just to give a few guys in the rotation a little bit more rest, give them a fresh arm because they've had to use their their pitching staff quite a bit here in in the Mets series. A lot of, uh, you know, a lot of pitching changes. A lot of pitches thrown in a four-game series with four games played in three days. Or is this a potential longer look for Matthew Libertor? Well, as we all know, the, the Cardinals do have a lot riding on Libertor in terms of what fan, how fans perceive the trade that they made, right? They traded Randy Rosarena to get to Matthew Libertor. And uh, as a guy who, at a previous job, had a song about Randy Rosarena... <laughs> And wanting to have him come up and play, I get it, man, because Rosarena is a talented dude. He's not having the best start to this year, but he's been a pretty good hitter. And I don't think that the Cardinals' outfield was a problem last year. And by the way, Rosarena is, again, struggling this year offensively. But that was a deal that that the front office got a lot of heat for. Because Rosarena was one of the hottest players in AAA that year, never really got a chance. And then when he got to Tampa in 2020 and dominated the postseason, everybody's like, oh, yeah, great. You traded that guy. And by the way, I kind of felt the same way. I was like, oh, man, really wish you wouldn't have traded that guy. Well, the guy you got in return, though, was, was Libertor, who was the number 16 pick in the first round in 2018, one of the best left-handed pitching prospects in baseball. Uh, coming into the year, MLB.com rated him as one of the best left-handed pitching prospects in all of baseball, the number 39 prospect overall in the top 100, according to MLB.com. And 
You know, this is a guy that, you know, last year had some struggles. Now, keep in mind, offensive numbers at AAA have been pretty high the last couple of years. So when you see him like this year with a 383 ERA, don't, don't get too worked up about that. You know, he's he's allowing he, – the, the number of base runners that he's allowing is relatively low, 1.2 whip. He's averaging more than a strikeout per inning, so he's averaging more than nine strikeouts per nine innings. And he's been right around that nine per nine strikeout rate in his minor league career. But keep in mind, Libertor is really, to me, he's not a strikeout pitcher. He'll get strikeouts, but he's not the guy that you would expect to come to the big leagues and strike out 200 guys in the full season. That's not who he is. He's not overwhelming with the fastball. You know, he's a guy that can touch the mid-90s with the fastball, but probably sits a little bit lower than that. His best pitch is his curveball, and it's it's a pitch that he gets a lot of swings and misses with in the minor leagues. He'll also throw a slider. He'll throw a changeup. And the thing about Libertor is this. He's not a big stuff guy, so he's not like some of the other power lefties you see coming up, like McClanahan with Tampa Bay, who's bringing you know, upper 90s fastballs. That's not Libertor. What Libertor is, is the guy that has a well-rounded repertoire. Every pitch is above average, according to scouts. Fastball slider, curveball changeup, everything's above average. His control is above average. And when you when you piece all of that together, and the fact that he's still young and can still get stronger and maybe eventually add a few miles an hour, but this is a guy that knows how to pitch. He's always been viewed that way as a guy that has really good pitchability, as scouts like to say. He'll miss enough bats, and he's got a lot of different weapons to come at you with. Now, I don't see Libertor personally. I don't see him as a future ace. I don't see him being what Jack Flaherty showed us he was. But then again, when Jack Flaherty was a prospect, nobody viewed him that way either. So maybe Libertor is that. And actually, Flaherty might be a pretty good comp in terms of the kind of pitcher that he can be. Not the quality necessarily, but the kind of pitcher he can be. Come at you with a lot of different things. Not going to just overwhelm you with velocity, but going to move the ball in and out, change speeds, good breaking ball, the, the whole deal. Now the question really is, going forward, what happens if Libertor does a really nice job? How does it impact the Cardinals' major league rotation if he comes up throws really really well against the Pirates on Saturday and shows that he's deserving of another opportunity. What impact does that have on the Cardinals' starting rotation? Well, I mean, you know, Wayno's not going anywhere barring injury. Miles Michaelis not going anywhere barring injury, and Michaelis has been your best pitcher so far. Steven Matz is not going anywhere. You're paying him a lot of money. He's in your rotation. Dakota Hudson's not going anywhere, in my opinion. Now, he, I guess maybe he could, but I, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he's going to be in the rotation. The question would be, I guess, more about Jordan Hicks. And look, Jordan Hicks, he's not doing that badly. I mean, his command can be a problem. I mean, he's, he's allowing a lot of walks, but he's not allowing a lot of hits. And that's where, you know, Jordan Hicks is always kind of made up for command problems, right? He's walked 15 guys in 25 innings. That's a lot. But he's only given up 16 hits. And, you know, the walks and hits per innings pitched at 1.21 is actually better than Wainwright's. It's better than Steven Matz. It's better than Dakota Hudson's. Now, the question about Hicks really isn't necessarily, to me anyway, about how he's pitching. You know, 421 ERA, 
I mean, you know, he's their fifth starter, man. How many, how many teams have a fifth starter that's any better than that? Very few. But the question is, as we go along, how much can you live with four inning outings and five innings kind of at the max end right now? That That's going to be an interesting question. But if you look at the Cardinals starters, you know, Hicks has the second best strikeout rate amongst Cardinals starters. He's got the fourth best ERA amongst their starters. As I mentioned, you know, he doesn't give up many hits. You know, his, his, his whip is the second best amongst Cardinals starters. So it's not like he stinks, but he's also not been really established. So the question will be, is his spot at all in jeopardy? And I would say probably not, which leads me to believe that Libertor might be one or times, one or two times through the rotation and maybe they send him back down. Who knows what else comes up? I guess we'll we'll find out about that. But for now, those two guys are going to be debuting, and it's going to be interesting. All right, let's talk about, to close out the strike zone. We'll do that here in just a couple of seconds. What's on Deck is sponsored by Chesterfield Fence and Deck. You can find them at chesterfieldfence.com. What's on Deck is a look at some of the players in the Cardinals' bullpen and how this is all shaping up. Are there any guys there that you know we need to worry about? And I'd say, yeah. Yeah, there's one for sure maybe another, and we'll talk about it next on KMOX. All right, let's hit a couple quick things on the bullpen, and uh, then we'll shut it down. Obviously, tomorrow, Cardinals open a three-game series against the Pirates in Pittsburgh. Hopefully, a chance to get right. I mean, this tough series in New York is against a good team, and, you know, you had three difficult losses. Uh, Two of them were really close losses. One of them uh, got away from you late in the game, but uh, wasn't exactly easy. I I did want to talk about a couple of things in the bullpen, though, and one of the problems in this particular series and a few times this year, one of the problems they're gonna, the Cardinals are going to want to avoid too, and of course this is not saying anything they don't know, but you know they've had a few issues with having to use guys a lot in the pen because of some short starts. I mean, we saw Dakota Hudson less than five innings today, Jordan Hicks with four innings yesterday, and of course you had a doubleheader before that. And in the doubleheader... Uh, at the very least, you know, you got a great outing. Well, I should say great. A very good outing from Miles Michaelis. Uh, and then with Steven Matz in the nightcap, you know, getting five innings there. So you needed four innings from your bullpen in the nightcap of the doubleheader. And you needed four plus yesterday. And you needed uh, another five bull- innings from the bullpen today. That's really what's going to fix, to me, any real issues with the bullpen. Uh, anything that we could see that might be concerning about the pen, I think can be corrected by seeing the starting pitching be go a little deeper into games. And you certainly have guys, you know, Michaelis is doing that. Wainwright does it on somewhat on a regular basis. So you're going to need a little more from Hudson. You're going to need a little bit more depth from Matt's and either more from Hicks or somebody, somebody else in that fifth spot. And keep in mind that Jack Flaherty is still on the way back. So if he's in there, eventually he'll be that guy too. Now, two guys I wanted to mention, that are worth talking about. One is Giovanni Gallegos. A lot of people on Twitter today were mad because he pitched in the game and apparently the Mets have hit him a little bit and he gave up the home run. Uh, let's not overreact on Gallegos just yet. Um, you know, his ERA is a lot higher than his expected ERA. If you look at his stuff, hard hit rate, um, you know, the 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 command of, you know, the control of hard contact, his strikeout rate, his swing and miss rate, all those things are really good. Like he's in the top 4% in baseball amongst pitchers and getting swings and misses right now. So while he's not been as clean as he's been in the past, there's no reason to panic. Strikeout rate is lower than it was last year. That's an area of some concern. But 
his expected numbers based on Statcast data are perfectly fine. Uh, I wouldn't we I wouldn't be too worried about him. I am worried about T.J. McFarland. You know, he came up. You know, when he got to the Cardinals last year, he was a big part of the bullpen in the second half. He was phenomenal. It is just not there right now. And coming out of last night's outing, the numbers are frightening. I mean, we're talking about bottom two or three percent in baseball in average exit velocity against hard hit rate against um, expected batting average against uh, expected slugging percentage against. I mean, this is not an exaggeration to say that he has been one of the worst pitchers in baseball based on the stat cast data this year. Again, bottom two, three, four percent in almost every critical category. I don't know if there's something wrong. I don't know if it's just a slow start, but that's a major concern since he and Cabrera are really the only two lefties that you're counting on in the pen right now. All right, we'll tell you more about this series against the Pirates coming up tomorrow on the pregame show, maybe a little bit during DGS as well. You guys, have yourselves a great night. We'll get you going on the weekend tomorrow night here on KMOX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.